from Silicon Valley, California. This is Fresh Dialogues. This week, Fresh Dialogues features celebrated tech leader Anne Winblatt, who founded Open Source Systems in 1975 with $500 and sold it six years later for over $15 million. She talks about drinking the Kool-Aid, green tech, and her close friendship with Bill Gates. Anne Winblad is co-founder and managing director of San Francisco-based Hummer Winblad Venture Partners. She's a highly respected software entrepreneur and technology leader with over 30 years in the software industry. Anne serves as a director of numerous software companies and is co-chair of Silicon Valley's SD Forum. Anne, thank you for joining me today on Fresh Dialogues. Oh, great. Thanks for having me today. Now, I want to jump back to Farmington, Minnesota and talk about your early days as a little entrepreneur. One of your first jobs, I understand, was picking strawberries at age seven, and you also sewed Barbie doll clothes to sell. You were also a cheerleader and a brain. Can you talk about your childhood and how that laid the foundation for your pioneering reputation today, Anne? In my father's family, my father, who is 85 today, um, was a high school basketball coach and a very winning coach. So he's a very focused, competitive guy. My mom was a nurse, good compliment. We were very fortunate, I'm the oldest of six children, to have a very, very good public school system, even in our very small town. If we wanted to go to the movies or um, buy something a little extra, we had to figure out a way to earn that money. So we really understood the value of a dollar very early on, uh, because we didn't have many of them. And we became quite industrious, each of us, in how we would focus on both our education and um, our financial infrastructure independently. My strawberry picking job, I got 10 cents a pint. And I was only allowed to pick for a couple hours because I was seven and it would get hot outside. And so I remember my first day, I was in first grade, and really sizing up those rows of strawberries to see how how could I possibly optimize picking more pints. <laughs> and uh, the woman who owned the strawberry fields, Nina Hoffman, who hired me, my first employer, uh, Mrs. Hoffman, she really didn't like that I started becoming over-efficient because you had to be very careful <laughs> with those little strawberry plants. So I, I also learned that uh, patience and focus is a very good balance with just overall efficiency. And that's served me well as an entrepreneur myself. Uh, and working with other entrepreneurs is that you really have to have a lot of focus on what you're trying to accomplish, but you also have to have a lot of patience in how you orchestrate your growth along the way. I assume you didn't eat many of the strawberries as you were picking. No, actually, the, one of the best things about that first job was that Mrs. it was actually my myself and my six-year-old sister, Mary, and I who got the only picking jobs as children, that after we did our two hours of picking, we got to go to Nina's kitchen and have Kool-Aid and cinnamon rolls, which my mother didn't really like because we never had Kool-Aid and cinnamon rolls, especially in a combination. So if we had eaten those sugar-ripe strawberries in addition to that Kool-Aid and cinnamon roll, we would have been the most hyper children in the universe. So So you were just a little bit hyper? Just a little bit hyper. So my mom asked uh, Mrs. Hoffman if she could choose between just giving us 
either the Kool-Aid or the cinnamon rolls. So. Talking about Kool-Aid, how do you avoid in Silicon Valley not drinking the Kool-Aid when you have these entrepreneurs coming to you with their hot ideas? That's an interesting question because one of the attributes of being a successful venture capitalist is you have to look at the glass as half full. Otherwise, you would invest in nothing because everything, especially at the early stage where you're only funding a couple entrepreneurs, really looks so fraught with risk that you would just run away from every deal. So in many ways, you have to sit there and drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, take in all the Kool-Aid, really listen carefully, um, be open to any entrepreneur with any background, with any idea, and then stand back and say, how did that Kool-Aid taste? Um, you know, and then you have to be careful to say, okay, how do I balance risk and rewards? Is this a big opportunity? Is this the small team that can get this off the ground? Are there other opportunities that might be bigger or competitive here? Is there an opportunity for this company to operate on the larger market map in partnership with other companies? Or is it just a one-off, by-the-sidelines idea? So we do have to slurp up that Kool-Aid for an instant, but we, we can't get addicted to the Kool-Aid. We really mm -hmm. have to have the openness and willingness to listen to any new idea and then really the openness in our own minds to say how might this fit into the bigger opportunity. Savor the aftertaste. Yeah, make sure that we don't get seduced by an opportunity so that we don't look at how could the glass become half empty. Because there are risks in building any company and Realistically, in software, there is no unique idea. There's only a unique idea for a period of time until the idea is known. There are patents and execution, uh, competitive advantages and team advantages and partner advantages, and you have to build all those advantages off that idea, but you only have that competitive advantage advantage of the idea for a very short period of time. What about the green tech sector? Some are calling it the next industrial revolution. Do you agree? Certainly, I think it's a very important part of rebooting our economy and the world economy. Um, and it is a little tragic that these capital-intensive businesses have been started at a time where capital might be harder to get. At the same time, um, that does create opportunities for more of the R&D to be done outside of large companies and in the risk envelope of, the, again, that powerful combination of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. But do you see it's something that's going to help sustain Silicon Valley through this slump? There's no magic bullet that always sustain Silicon Valley. It's a very cross-industry valley. The press likes to find some sort of, you know, they like to find, it's the holidays, so they, they like to focus on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers. They forget about Prancer and Dancer and Donner and Blixen. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, they, they want to see one kind of cartoon character of, you know, salvation. It's a great analogy. And that's not how this really, really works. I mean, mm -hmm. Donner and Blixen have as big a role as Rudolph. And, mm -hmm. and so it does add another big piece to the palette of innovation that is part of the Mesopotamia of entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, lawyers, accountants, uh, scientists that are Silicon Valley. But there is not one sil silver bullet that will allow us to navigate. It really is the uniqueness we have, in, and it's driven not by uh, 
the price of oil, but by really dramatic changes in material sciences, software, um, you know, all the pieces that allow new companies to bring higher value to very large marketplaces. Right. And talking about new companies, you are co-chair of SD Forum. Can you talk about your role in that organization and how that is helping Silicon Valley entrepreneurs? We worked with Novell to help start this organization, which has evolved to be a very self-sustaining organization to support new technologies, education, and entrepreneurs that are just entering the field for the first time. And today, SD Forum has uh, on its board of directors representatives from HP, IBM, Sun, Microsoft, SAP, other venture capital firms like NEA and Norwest. Uh, we funded several companies out of SD Forum f from walk-in meetings. Uh, uh, we funded a company called Liquid Audio, one of the first DRM companies um, for music on the internet, which became a very substantial public company. Jerry Kirby just walked in. Mm -hmm. He didn't know venture capitalists. So it's an open door to entrepreneurs and innovators. I'm really proud how this organization has evolved. Susan Lucas is our uh, CEO and is a remarkable uh, director of the organization. She is indeed. Going back to the early days in the 70s, did you actually have fun with Bill Gates? Because he strikes me as I, I a serious guy. I didn't actually meet Bill until 1984. Uh, even though I'd taken many trips to Microsoft, I never met Bill. And, you know, but Bill was 28 in 1984, so still quite a young guy. And, um, you know, I wasn't very old in 1984 either. So, you know, it. everybody was, you know, we were all working so hard. So, you know, when we get together for dinners and whatever, we all had a lot of fun. And, you know, people would share their stories and experiences, their dreams. Um, that's how we got to know that some people had bigger dreams than others. Um, you know, we, you know, Bill and I have become very good friends over the years. Um, so we've done a lot of fun things together with, um, you know, even our respective families and co-friends and whatever. So, yeah, and, you know, people can't, I don't think people can be that successful without finding joy in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, you know, otherwise they just burn out. Mm -hmm. So uh, does he let his hair down? Because there's this media persona that we see, and he's very serious. And can you can you give us a glimpse of that fun side of Bill Gates? Well, Bill has a you know, I mean, Bill has a big job today as the head of the foundation uh, with Melinda, and you know, a big job uh, when he was CEO of Microsoft, and still a big role in Microsoft. So he has to have a professional demeanor. Uh, the you know the customers and relationships at Microsoft, the employees that come to work both at the foundation and Microsoft have to look up to somebody, and they don't want to look up to somebody goofy and mm -hmm. jokey who doesn't lead in professionalism. Uh, so you know the um, you know Bill is um, a, a really great guy. But I think that all of us, um, you know, don't want to, um, 
you know, tell what we did at the last party or how we had fun together in a radio interview. So I'll save that. Okay. But I think that um, it's fair to say that um, Bill has some very close friends, and I'm fortunate enough to include myself among them, and we, we have a lot of fun together. Well, it's a lovely way to end. I want to thank you so much, Anne, for taking part in Fresh Dialogues. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Fresh Dialogues. This is Alison Van Diggelen, with special thanks to Tom Kromkowski and Carol Pecora for technical support, and Kevin McLeod, who wrote and produced our music. Music